0: You're listening to the Tri-State Community Church Podcast, a ministry of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church located in the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area. For more information, including service times, please visit us at facebook.com forward slash Tri-State Reformed Church. And I'm looking, and there's two of my favorites. So I'll need to comment just a little bit on that. Um, oh, let's see here. Come thou fount. Wow. Sometimes I got to... It it gets me a little bit in that, what's that, Third, third verse. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace, now like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I was thinking this morning, you know, if we could understand the own turmoil that's in us, I think we can show a little bit more mercy. To the turmoil that's out in the world. Amen. Um, Keep me near the cross. First time I heard this, I was probably midway through my pastorate. I pastored for eight years in a Methodist church, and I heard this at a Presbyterian church during a community Sunday. And I loved the lyrics and the music, so I ran home real quick, and I can play three chords on my guitar, and I found it online. Hey, there's three chords. I can play this song. (laughs) And so this became a staple of our worship. in the cross, in the cross, cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall... I love that word, till. Till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. One thing that, that singing that taught me was, how many of the hymns and new songs keep us remembering backwards, but looking forward all the time to what's coming? And uh, what a great promise uh, comes to us through these great old songs. Um, I, I guess I've never come to you before as in the role of chaplain of the American Legion. So I bring you greetings from American Legion uh, Post 290 in Columbian, Ohio. I've served as a chaplain there for 10 years. And um, my role as a chaplain is to, um, I suppose our, our motto is God and country. And so it's it's my role to kind of keep that as best I can on the conscience of all of our memberships in the community, which... Uh, I find delight in doing. And um, part of my current ministry is bringing the gospel to the military community. And I do it in a lot of different ways, and I like to use illustrations and parables, uh, true-life parables, and pull them you know, from the scriptures and then, and then comp- set a true-life parable side-by-side side with it. Um, I usually explain this is a chaplain's pennant from World War II, 1944. Um, I don't know the history of it, but the history of the pennant itself is that whenever there was a chapel service going on, whether in the field or on ship, this would fly from a tree branch or over a hood of a jeep or from the mast of the of the ship. And this is the, according to the U.S. American flag etiquette, this is the only flag that can fly above the American flag, rightfully so. And so I, I am so grateful to have this as a possession of mine, a... Um, a pastor and veteran and World War II collector gave it to me as he as I began to develop my chapel ministry this morning. As part of my message, I brought also this uh, front page of the Akron Beacon Journal that my wife Brenda and I came across. And um, actually, I don't think I bought it the first time that we saw it. I had to go. Yeah, I had to go back and get it because if you notice, I mean the the heavy headline is massive battle blazing on Anzio Beachhead. So in Italy. There's this, there's this battle going on, you know? The Allied forces are invading German-occupied Italy, and, um, and the, the horrors of war were the worst of men and the best of men, you know, clashed together. But then on the other side of the world, as they were, the Marines were island hopping, from island to island is a story of greater love hath no man. And I, I love the fact that that headline is above the other headlines so I, I went and I picked that up and that story um, is about a fella who um, I didn't bring my notes on his name and all and that that writings about like this so I'm not even gonna try that print <laughs> his name is Harold he saved his buddy Larry um, he saw that his buddy Larry was about to get shot and he pushed him out of the way, and he received the, the, the bullets, and he, and he died. And so the, it tells a little bit about his life. He was a paper boy and uh, grew up in a certain neighborhood in Akron. And uh, I think it's just fitting that that story is told. And obviously, we know where that headline came from. And I'd like to read that headline to you right now as it comes from the Gospel of John. And that would be found in John 15, and I will be reading from verse 12 through 17. This is Jesus speaking to his closest friends the night before his death. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now I want you to Lock that into your mind a little bit, that particular verse. And Jesus seems to put a qualifier here on what it means to be a friend of Jesus. My comm- are, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you my friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So I have a parable I'd like to share with you, a true story of a friend of mine. And this happened to him on the morning of September 16th, 1970. His name is Walter Goebel, and he found himself in one of a small fleet of army helicopters lifting off from an air base in Da Nang, Vietnam. They had received word that 18 Marines had been pinned down near a place called Quang Tri by overwhelming enemy gunfire. Now the helos were being sent to engage the enemy and airlift the Marines to safety. When they neared the area, they came under heavy fire and the helo that Walt was on was hit in the gearbox and uh, was damaged and they had to land, had to have a hard landing, half crashed, half, half landed. Now, both the pilots and the crew survived, but they were in a hot zone, and they knew that the enemy would be on them very soon. Their sister ship landed nearby to rescue the downed crew, uh, and as they fled for safety uh, of their rescuers, it was Walt's job, my buddy's job, to be the last man out so he could blow the helicopter up, uh, and so the enemy couldn't learn anything about you know our, our helicopters and such. Well, he did his job, but as he ran away, he got tangled in the underbrush, and he fell, and he couldn't, he couldn't get himself untangled. Um, he, uh, he said he could hear the pop and the crackle of gunfire of both friend and foe. He recognized the, the reports from each, of the, uh, each type of weapon, and he knew that he was right in the middle of a firefight. And uh, he knew he was in big trouble, obviously, and that's when his buddy Dave, who was already safely on board the rescue helicopter, saw his friend in trouble, And Dave left that helicopter, and he ran back to help Walt. Well, he got Walt untangled, but in the meantime, he took a bullet in his chest. And now it was Walt's turn to help his friend. And so he half-dragged and half-carried Walt, uh, or half-carried Dave, until they both clambered aboard the helicopter, and it was finally able to take off. But en route, unfortunately, back to the base, Walt's friend, uh, Dave, died. Walt said the whole event took only a few minutes, if you can imagine. But the impact that it had on him obviously would be for a lifetime. And Walt's story wasn't a good story. He had a very hard childhood. There was no mom to speak of, and his alcoholic dad wasn't much encouraged to him. Uh, He was picked on in school a lot. He was kind of short in stature. by the time he volunteered for the army, he didn't have a sense of self-worth. And the sacrifice that his friend Dave made for him made Walt feel much more guilty than it made him feel thankful. He would wonder constantly, why did he do that? He would ask, you know, I'm just, I'm not worth it. Why would he do that? Well, his sense of worthlessness and guilt consumed him, and he tried to forget his childhood and war experiences through drugs and alcohol. But the problem is, the more he tried to forget, the more he remembered. And for two years, he fought the demons of his past, but despair finally began to defeat Walt. And he began to work up the courage to take his own life. His life, so he thought, was not worth the price that his friend Dave paid to save it. But it was at that point, uh, from the distance of a childhood memory, that the words of Walt's grandfather began to come back to him. Now, Walt's grandfather was the only godly influence that he ever had in his life. And he can remember his grandfather used to say, Remember Walt, you can always count on God. And so as a last resort, Walt, uh, Walt thought he might try church. He had almost no church experience whatsoever, so when he walked into a Methodist church, on a sunny Florida morning, he really didn't know what to expect and he felt very much out of place. It was a typical church scene, you know, when the smiles and the handshakes and how you doins and the hugs and the nice people and all that. And Walt was feeling very much out of place and underdressed in the whole bit and he found, found, finally found his way to some corner where he would be inconspicuous. And so after the announcements and the songs and etc., The pastor stepped to the pulpit, he opened the Bible, and he began his sermon by reading these very words, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. What a coincidence, huh? (laughs) What a coincidence. Now, I remember Walt saying, I can tell you what, that preacher had my attention but we know that it wasn't really the preacher who had the attention of Walt. It was God who now had the attention of Walt. God is so smart that way, isn't he? (laughs) So grateful for that. So through the pastor's sermon, God was telling Walt that he knew that Walt's life was all messed up. He knew that Walt's heart was broken. He knew that everything about Walt, and he knew just how he was feeling about his friend Dave. Walt heard of a man named Jesus who came from heaven to save sinners from their sins. That's the gospel. He heard the good news from that sinner's perspective. The bad news is this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the good news is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so through that sermon, God told Walt the reason he was so miserable was that he was a sinner living in a sinful world, and things aren't so good, but God is good. He heard the message of salvation, and he gave in. He was saved from God's judgment by God's grace. How? Through the death of his son, Jesus. Why? Why? Because there is no greater love, he said. It was um, you know Jesus. He learned that Jesus intervened, that he took the judgment of God for for Walt, just like Dave's buddy took a bullet in the chest for Walt. And he said it was like a light pierced through the darkness. His heart was suddenly aflame with the truth of God's great love. And while he was still a sinner, God's son laid his precious light down for Walt, much like his friend Dave did back in Vietnam. And he said, suddenly it makes sense. He said, somebody really does love me. And here it turns out to be God himself. And so like Dave had cared enough to sacrifice his life so Walt may live, he now understood that Jesus cared enough to sacrifice his life so that Walt, Walt could be forgiven of his sin and have eternal life. And it's so ironic that Dave's sacrifice, his friend's sacrifice, drove Walt to the brink of suicide. But God used that horrible event to drive Walt to the cross of Christ. Keep me near the cross. For in Dave's selfless act of love for his friend is seen the greatest act of selfless love ever displayed, That Jesus would lay down his own pure, sinless life for us, his sinful, prideful, undeserving friends. Amazing grace indeed, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What a friend indeed, all our sins and griefs to bear. What did any of us do to deserve it? Nothing. And so what is our response? Remember that Jesus says, if you are my friend's, if you do what I command. And the command specifically in that passage is, love one another as I have loved you. So I think what Jesus is saying there is, you're my friend if you do what I command. And here's the spirit of the command that I'm going to give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Take up your cross, follow me, serve others. You know, to obey his command, to love one another. It's the condition he puts on being his friend. And a friendship goes two ways. A good look at the text tells us that Jesus loves us. We're to love him by loving one another, willing to die to self and live for others. And that's not easy. And so how do we do this impossible task? And I'm thinking it's as simple as asking and doing Sounds simple, but we need help. We always need help. So determine to obey, to do it, but be determined to ask for help because we can't do it on our own. It has to be Christ who is in us. Another story I want to tell you that exemplifies this. A friend of mine, uh, his name is uh, Brian. He's a retired colonel uh, from the Marine Corps and he flew helicopters in Iraq. And he saw a lot of bad stuff and had to do a lot of stuff to people that he didn't want to do and saved a lot of people's lives and um, carried stuff with him. But he is a a great servant to his community and to veterans. And one day I was at a parade with him, and we're watching um, uh, people have fun. And it was the street fair parade in Columbiana. And, And three times he said, look at the fun that these people are having. Everybody's having so much fun. Look at the children. They're having fun. And I got to thinking, this is a man who has seen the worst. And he's just reveling in this day and what he's seeing. And then he said to me, he goes, You know, as a veteran, people ask or people thank me uh, for my service. And he says, I'm grateful for that. And I understand the spirit. And I know people want to be to show appreciation, but he confessed to me what he really would like to say to people when they thank him for a service. He says, humbly and meekly, I'd like to say, if you really want to thank me, then love your neighbor. If you really want to thank me, extend your hand to someone who you really don't get along with. And I thought, wow, that, that's it. And in that moment when he was watching everybody have a good time, what a great way to thank, you know, those who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom to love our fellow citizen as we love ourselves. And so tomorrow we remember our war dead. We would not have the life we now enjoy if it were not for those who laid down their life for us. We are citizens of this great country because of their sacrifices. So the question must be, how then shall we live? We should live a good, decent, caring, Um, Be citizens of all those things. Ideally, we are to emulate in the arena of citizenship the same selflessness that the dead patriots did on the field of battle. Honor, valor, considering the welfare of others. That's the best way to thankfully respond to the sacrifice made on our behalf, and I think that's what Brian was trying to get across. But even more so with the sacrifice of Christ, obviously, He died so that we may be citizens of heaven and we respond by making every day a memorial day by remembering why he died by remembering his promise of heaven so that we may remember backwards but look forwards all the time. That we may remember his love for us. You know, one thing I left out of the story. Uh, Walt is a pastor now, and so he shares the gospel. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> so he shares the gospel with people. He's almost retired, though he's reached that age, but he won't quit sharing the gospel. Though he's had tough times since become a Christian, becoming a Christian, his life he lives a life of gratefulness. He tells other vets his story of his twofold salvation, the extraordinary and humbling experience of two friends laying down their life for his sake, Dave. And Jesus. In God's sovereign plan, one friend died so that Walt may labor for the Lord for a short time on earth. The other friend died so that Walt may rest in the Lord forever in the coming kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, um, from, from the humble hearts of us as citizens of this country you have blessed us with, our, our hearts become tender around this holiday, as we remember soberly um, those who have given their lives for us. We know many times they didn't want to, but they were willing to, Lord. Even so, let us see that as a great example of the greatest example of thy Son, who laid down his life, that we may be citizens of heaven. And so, God, help us to always look backward Remember backward to the cross, to the sacrifices made on our behalf, while keep, keep our hope looking forward. When the final consummation of all things will come, when there will be no more need for war, our arguments, our conflicts, when peace will reign forever and ever. Lord, make this... Make this the fortress of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.